Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I, hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello. Welcome back to another episode of... Oh, yeah, it's rebranded. Brian Shepard hasn't been here since we rebranded it because I was like, you know, I already have the Atlanta sports guys, and I'm tired of trying to find the time to figure out uh, if we're recording this on a Friday because that's the Go Big Orange recap show and the Go Big Orange Friday show, and then the, the during the regular season, it kind of makes things a little bit more complicated. So I was like, you know we all are? We're all Tennessee volunteer sports guys. That's what we are. Like, uh, everybody on this program... Uh, that's what we are. So that's what we're going with. And it's that way I don't tie okay. myself to a day that I'm not, th- this encompasses whatever day we are recording this each and every Sunday night during the Tennessee volunteers football season. But folks, that man laughing over there, the most prepared man in Tennessee volunteer sports media, Rocky top insiders, Ryan Shumpert, Ryan, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Glad to be back on after, uh, it's been, a, it's been a couple week hiatus for me. Yeah. I mean, it's been uh, a little bit for you, and then also it's just been I, I've had the full Larry David Kirby enthusiasm afternoon, Ryan Shepard, where I'm <laughs> I don't know what to do with uh, Josh Dobbs shredding my team and ruining my season uh, at home. It was it was very uncomfortable uh, to both wish him well and to root him on, and then also like no 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 yes no 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 yes like it was it was just brutal an all around horrific uh, NFL afternoon for myself, Ryan Shepard. Well. Yeah, for sure. But that at least is better than Will Levis shredding your team. And also, I don't know about that. Will Levis second round pick. He had a cannon. Like Will Levis was out here dialing it up. You're on the road. Hey, it's a. I'll let that slide. Like still first round arm talent. And I love Josh Dobbs. Don't get me wrong. But like it's a little bit different when the dude gets here three days ago. Doesn't know his his teammates uh, at all. Doesn't really know the offense and still shreds you. Like he's been there for. For many years it, it and it's in your building like it's uh it was i would say worse in a multitude of ways than what happened in tennessee last week yeah i mean i guess in some and i won't try to get inside the mind of a falcons fan but you should never it's a very very dark place 
it's a special type of bad defense to be giving up this many over-the-top passes to the Tennessee Titans. Mm. I know Will Levis serves the ball better down the field than Ryan Tannehill does. Not a lot of, that's not an offense that has receivers to take top off the defense, and that's all that happened continuously. And they played – again, I didn't watch the game. I was up at Michigan State for basketball, but – Besides the point, I guess, but that's the best the Titans look offenses looked in like three and a half years. And even with that, they barely, barely won and probably wouldn't have won if you just played in the first half. You only get one secondary to count on to make a stop. Is it the Tennessee Volunteer secondary or the Atlanta Falcons secondary? Oh, man, that's tough. I guess I'll go with the Vols because they did it a couple times at Kentucky. That's true. Wow. Look how far we've come. The Tennessee Volunteers. We trust them more than an NFL secondary. Um, or how far the Atlanta Falcons have fallen. But this is not an Atlanta Falcon show. That's coming later in the week, so you'll get that. Uh, don't forget, folks, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, make sure you hit that uh, subscribe button, like button. Uh, each and every week, uh, new episodes on the YouTube channel each and every day. So I appreciate you guys checking us out there if that is how you're watching. Uh, you can also uh, get clips, all the good stuff. Uh, com. Make sure you bookmark uh, the homepage and check that out if you have not already done so. Uh, you can email us with any Tennessee Vol questions or anything like that for us. Tweet at us, anything like that, at chasethomaspodcast at gmail.com or at podchasethomas all across the internet, all uh, TikTok, everything else, uh, with new stuff going up each and every day. And as always, if you enjoy this Tennessee Volunteer Podcast here on the Chase Thomas Podcast, you leave this show a five-star rating and write us a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify if that is indeed how you are listening to today's show Tennessee sports guys each and every Sunday night coming up on your feed on Mondays during the Tennessee volunteers football season uh Ryan Shepard 24 hours after biggest takeaway you're still thinking about uh from the Vols UConn on Saturday afternoon sir my biggest takeaway that I'm still thinking about is I had to sit inside the Neyland Stadium press box watching a 50-point game while every other noon game was amazing that's mm-hmm. what I'm leaving thinking about is how I, I missed all that good football. I think from the actual Tennessee-UConn side of things, it was, uh, I guess it's just positive that you've seen continued growth from this team and the fact that they played against a far lesser opponent the way they did last season and the way they did in 2021. Whereas earlier this year against Austin P, Tennessee played horrifically. I mean, just an awful, awful game uh, really all around against UTSA. They've had a great first quarter, but they couldn't sustain it for a full full four quarters. Finally, against UConn, uh, Tennessee did exactly what Josh Heifel coach teams typically do to defenses that are far, far overmatched by the ball's offense. And they completely overwhelmed them. They hit big plays. Uh, They ran the ball consistently. And they were able to get the backups in by the first drive of the second half. So uh, I think... There's not a ton to glean, but for an offense that is seemingly, if not turning a corner, at least improving as the year goes on, you didn't see a step back uh, in a spot where you potentially could have. Did you get full explanation on what was going on with Heupel and Mora? And then can you elaborate for the good folks who maybe did not see what happened pregame with the two sides and then also how Heupel addressed it? Because he kind of laughed about it. Like clearly something was said uh, between Heupel and Harbaugh or Harbaugh, uh, Heupel and Mora in that postgame handshake with uh, Heupel smirk. Yeah, so was the the word I was using uh, to describe the 
stuff before the game. I don't think you would really call it a brouhaha because there wasn't any physical interaction. Brouhaha is usually my favorite word to use. Mm-hmm. So Tennessee comes into Neyland Stadium after the ball walk, and I think a number of players, and then Josh Heupel is walking on the field. Josh Heupel always throws the football with his son for, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 minutes or whatever, right when they get up and field from the ball walk. Uh, a bunch of UConn players were warming up on Tennessee's side of the field, and words exchanged from both sides, including Heifel, and I believe Mora too, is mm. my understanding of the situation, is that some words were exchanged right there. And, you know, Heifel was telling them to go back to their side. I don't think Mora took too kindly to that. You mentioned it, uh, obviously, kind of drive-by handshake between Mora and Heifel. It looked like you couldn't really tell from the TV angle, but it kind of seemed like Mora very much fast handshake drive by mm-hmm. more kind of said something to him and you kind of see hypel turn around and uh uh like you said smirk was probably the way mm-hmm. to describe it I don't, he, I don't think he really said anything back but he was kind of laughing or uh get, the get a load of this guy was the vibe i was that yeah. was the vibe i got from hypel i was like get a load of this guy <laughs> uh and then so you go into the post game post game press conference um uh one of the, the tv reporters Starts the question by asking, being like, you're probably not going to like this question. And Josh, Josh Eiffel was like, great way to start a question. <laughs> and he was like, you don't have to ask it. And he was like, no, I'm going to ask it anyway. And he uh, you know, said, it looked like he kind of gave – this is the part I thought was funny. He said, it looked like he kind of gave you a drive-by handshake. And Heifel mm-hmm. just goes, yeah. And then his con- question continues on. It's like, it kind of looked like you maybe turned and had a reaction to it or, or what exactly happened there. And Heifel's like, I don't really know what my reaction was. And then just kind of classic coach speak. Obviously, Josh Heupel is not one to make a whole lot of headlines in his press conferences. So he he just went on to be complimentary of, of Jim Mora and UConn's team as a whole, saying they've, they've lost a bunch of close games this year and are better than the record indicates. So that's kind of the, the full story. And, and I imagine whatever happened postgame would have to go back to what happened pregame because, I mean, Tennessee played their fourth-string quarterback. They didn't try – they had the ball inside the five-yard line at the end of the game, and they ran out the clock. There was nothing – Tennessee did that did from like a run of the score standpoint that would have led to anything like that. Like maybe you could have said uh, after the Akron or Missouri or UT Martin games last year. Well, you mentioned too, that they're turning the corner and I, that was something that I think if you're a Tennessee fan, you have to be most excited about for this stretch run is that that was the best Tennessee's offense lo- has looked all year. Uh, and then latest SP plus uh, rankings, uh, Tennessee is now a top 20 offense and defense. They're 14th in offense, 20th in defense. Um, so very balanced, far more balanced. The defense has been a lot better um, by and large. I mean, really the only issues that we talk about uh, in the group chat is, I mean, the secondary still just playing off and UConn, uh, every Vol fan was like trying to figure out if Jolly could, uh, Lolly or Jolly, I think it was Jolly, uh, if he could transfer into uh, to, uh, Tennessee next year. Because yeah, every, every Tennessee well. fan knows that like the tight end position is uh, quite barren going into next year. Although Ethan Davis popped in this one in the second half, so good to see him get a couple catches. And he's uh, uh, going to be a good player, I, I think, for Tennessee uh, down the line. But I mean, how much can you read into the offense really hitting their stride? We saw like the Jalen Hyatt touchdown against Alabama in this one to Ramel Keaton, where it's just, there's nobody there. And um, it's something that has been sorely missed where you're like, man, I didn't know how much I missed that until you actually see it happen again. It's a little bit different. Many are saying that UConn and Alabama might have a different uh, feel to it when you hit those kind of shot plays. But I think, 
that made you feel the best if you're a Tennessee fan is you saw the combination of the Jalen Wright big runs and the domination in the run game that we've been accustomed to all year. But you also saw the over the top wide open schemed guys wide open stuff that you've not seen all year that you're like, man, with Mizzou and Georgia over the next two weeks, that is exactly how you needed to see this offense look going into those just critical games is you want them. You could not ask for a better situation there. I don't think. No, you're right, because that has been sorely missing. And even, you know, to score a white touchdown, you see mm. you see what happens when a ball is thrown onto money across the middle. You know, mm. Milton, I feel like, has been better in recent weeks. But even this year when he's completed passes over to middle, it's like it's a little behind the receiver. And he's got to mm. work catch it, and it severely limits the yak. And obviously this is UConn, and it was pretty wide open, but – you know, he had some right in stride, and that gives the fastest guy on the field the ability to turn the corner and score a touchdown on it. So it's all a good sign. The wide open stuff over the top, less into just because it mm-hmm. is UConn. And I think a lot of that stuff, and we'll be, it'll be interesting to see this going forward in the long term. I guess I wonder how much getting those stuff over the top is going to be gone now, no matter who the quarterback is, just because teams are more. Ad- Used to, SEC teams are more used to Tennessee's tempo and they're more used to what Hypel tries to do, uh, and they have a little bit of a playbook on it now. So that's the, a part I'll be interested going forward, you know, past this year, and I don't take a ton from that. And I guess the offensive performance as a whole, uh, I wouldn't be drawing massive conclusions on its own, but when you consider it's coming off to uh, perhaps Tennessee's best offensive games of the season before it, it's just more room for optimism uh, for that unit moving into the last three games of the season. And to your point, really these next two games against Missouri and Georgia. Yeah, no, I, uh, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, what do you think was the biggest moment of the game for you? What, what stood out the most to you in this one? Probably Jalen Wright on the second play. I mean, it, mm. it just made it, it made it clear that this was not going to be a competitive game. I would go with, squirrel white touchdown just because it was something we this offense has been missing we haven't seen a ton of and it was also like this was so opposite and Jim Moore shouldn't have done it but this was so opposite of how teams last year when you saw these offenses just panic go for it on fourth down all the time against Tennessee and obviously I think it was 21-3 at the time Tennessee wasn't going to lose this game Mm. but Jim Mora on which is why Jim Moore should have gone for it but Jim Mora on Fourth and three at the 42-yard line on Tennessee's side of the field decides to punt the ball, and Tennessee just immediately makes them pay on the third play with an 82-yard touchdown. So uh, I think that was a look at what, again, another thing that Tennessee's offense has just been missing this season mm. um, that reminded me of last season where you saw, oh, yeah, that's why teams always went forward on fourth down against Tennessee because they didn't feel like they, could, they were going to get a stop, and Tennessee could score to snap the finger. And teams have not had to coach that way against Tennessee this year for good reason. And in this situation, Jim Morris should have gone for it, no matter what had happened, because you're down 21-3. What are you, what are you coaching for to mm. lose by 40 instead of 50? But uh, I'd say those two instances were telling. And uh, the first one, the Jalen Wright run, that this was not going to be a competitive game by any means. And then the second one, that it was just a, a kind of flashback to what we've seen from Heupel's offense the first two years. I agree. I also think for me, it was maybe Tyler Barron's strip sack touchdown. Um, like that was one of those where I just Barron has almost gotten those several times. And we, uh, two years ago, the flashback of Barron having it called back against Old Miss for 
an outrageous region uh reason um it was just good to see baron yeah. have a touchdown like that actually was my favorite thing because this defense is a bend don't break defense uh they don't get a lot of pick sixes obviously kamal hadden had a big one against south carolina that was extremely memorable but this is not a defense that is actively trying to force turnovers this is a defense that is just trying to stop the run and keep everything in front of them um and by and large that's been pretty effective like i talked at the top of the show it's still a top 20 defense uh in the country um it's getting better year over year under tim banks but there is still a weak spot and part of it i just I don't know if it's a chicken or the egg thing when it comes to is it personnel at the back end for secondary or is it the coaching in the secondary as to why Tennessee's secondary is still this bad after three years. And I don't know. I go back and forth on it. But I think if you're a Tennessee fan, maybe the young guy that popped the most for you um, outside of uh, big Bryce Young, Nico Yamaliava is Ricky Gibson, who he's bigger than I thought he would be. Um, Not really afraid of contact, not afraid of the moment. And I think just one of those welcome sites where you're like, oh, this is what it's like to have some four-star blue chippers uh, at corner. This is uh, what that might feel like in a, in a year or two because I think Ricky Gibson is going to be a really good player. And I think that was something that uh, you needed to see is that some young guys to pop at that spot. Definitely. I had that as one of my you know, things I was really looking for in this game. It was one for Tennessee's pass defense to be better than it was against Kentucky. And it really wasn't, at least for no. a half. It was very discouraging. And second half, I mean, it's, you see how much it took together. In the first half, Tennessee was not getting a lot of pressure. And in the second half, Tennessee got a lot of pressure. And the past mm-hmm. defense was significantly better. But Gibson was a guy, you know, I wanted to see the young guys as a whole. But Gibson was the one that felt feels like he's the farthest ahead of the three freshman corners. And I thought he played really well. He had the one, I think they call it a pass interference. Pass interference is really more of holding on fourth down to move the sticks for UConn. But yeah. he made some nice plays. He turned his head on deep ball. He got up in the screen game and made some tackles right around the line of scrimmage. And he did enough to where if Tennessee secondary struggles the way I think it'll struggle next week against Missouri, he should be in the rotation and get playing time. That doesn't mean he has to start. doesn't mean he has to get the most snaps or anything at corner. Uh, but he's a guy that should, should get a shot next week if Tennessee's starting corners or top three or four corners aren't just you know playing really well and i think that's what you have to and i also love uh keeping the bit alive wesley walker and Jalen mccullough getting the most snaps of anyone uh in this game which is just a, a great bit to carry on the rest of this year um i i love it and also jordan thomas pop like jordan thomas i think stood out a little bit like i think he's gonna be a starter on next year's team or he should be um and that's good to see andre turrentine i think was fine in his spot it's like that is something positive um uh, but I think Jordan Matthews, it certainly seems like they're redshirting him because he should have gotten in this game if the plan was not to do that, right? I think the Jordan Matthews thing is the most, con- not, I shouldn't say concerning, the biggest eyebrow raiser. Uh, yeah, agree. Mm. Agree. I don't, I'd have to go look at like how much he's played in the special teams, but it's like, he's really not a play. Like, he hasn't played a defense. You're not going to play a defense in four games this season. So why yeah. would you not be able to play him and, you know, use, utilize that thing so no i thought that was very puzzling and i'm not really sure what what the answer is to it yeah it's something to keep an eye on uh for sure um but ryan shumpert uh maybe the biggest question here and we know what everyone like this was my excitement and this is where i got redneck mad in the second half we got two series from nico Iamaliava in this game before gaston moore came in and this is nothing against gaston moore um who should probably be the backup again next year uh for tennessee i think he's got another year el- eligibility right ryan i think so yeah so My he'll probably 
So he'll probably be around next year. Jake Merklinger coming into the fold. Because you don't want a situation where you have true sophomore Nico Yamaliava and true freshman uh, Jake Merklinger being the main two uh, quarterback options on this depth chart going next year. As talented as those two may be, you just don't. That's not really a spot you want to be in the SEC um, year in, year out. But that being said, in those two series, uh, Ryan Shumpert, that we saw from Nico, Nico was just as advertised in the sense that like what we saw that on the run throw to uh, Ethan Davis, where he had that bucket bomb uh, to him down the field. That was just the throw of the day, right? That he is so good off platform where he is so good at maneuvering around the pocket and something that immediately reminds you of the difference between like just upside versus him and Joe is not size. It's just, and this is not a shot at Joe. I think it's just, it, it's almost instinctual where I like, I don't think he has this where Nico is so good at feeling pressure and maneuvering and just keeping calm about it where I just, it's pretty amazing to see how he is able to dance around the pocket and make it all look very easy. Like I'm very pleased to see something like that. And I get that it's Yukon, but he's just so natural maneuvering around the pocket and throwing on the run and I made the joke about Big Bryce Young. I really do think that was something you jo- I jotted down. I'm just like, that's all we've seen from Bryce Young the last two years at Alabama. The difference is he can sit in the pocket where Bryce can't because he's six 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 seven, where he doesn't have to go outside the pocket to make throws to see down the field. He can sit in the pocket or he can dice you up on the run. I just think the Swiss Army knife approach of how Nico is going to have an opportunity to feast on teams over the next two years, Tennessee's quarterback, really stood out to me because I just think he is going to be such a pain to deal with because even if you think you've got him you don't because i think he is so natural and so good running and so good at just not avoiding hits like i just there's nothing negative i can really say about what we saw from nico i think it was everything you wanted to see as a player and then the cool touchdown to mccallan castles with the uh the fake and then go forward and that uh, concept was just cool because we haven't seen that from a quarterback this year agree to that you know pocket presence and kind of having the feel for it is largely something you have or you don't have. I think you can teach it a little bit and you can get a little bit better at it. I mean, Joe Milton's kind of an example of that this year. I think you we've seen him get a little bit better as it, a little bit better at it as the year has progresses, but it's largely something you just have or you don't. And mm-hmm. as good as Hinton Hooker was, like that was something that he had a great feel for pocket presence, a great feel for where the pass rush was, but he was not going to get out of the pocket and make throws down the field. He was going to turn he was going to get out of a five-yard loss and turn it into if sometimes uh when he had nowhere he would turn it into you know get back to the line of scrimmage and then sometimes like the play against florida last year he turns it into a 50-yard run so he had a great ability to limit negative plays and something out of it but i think the big plays was largely capped because he was largely going to have to do it with his legs whereas nico seems to be very comfortable getting out of pocket and throwing the ball down the field and throwing the ball off platform. So I'd agree that's been, I mean, we said that way back early in the season when we seen him a few times that we felt confident. The one thing we did think he was better at than Joe Milton was he has better pocket presence and a better feel for that stuff. And you saw that again, you saw that to a greater degree in the, you know, the Tennessee was three or four on third downs when he was in the game. The one they didn't convert was a third and seven run that I think they were probably going to go for it if they got a little bit closer, but it only got a, a yard, so they punted it. The other two, he scrambles up the middle for 25 yards, and jumps out of safety, and, and then one, the, other, the other two, he rolls right and throws to 
McCollum Castles on the sideline, and then he rolls right and throws to Caleb Webb on the sideline for first down. So those were all really impressive plays. And then another, you know, I like the tall Brayshon comparison. The other one uh, that I'll give a little bit is is Jaden Daniels. Uh, just watching that game, LSU game last night, just the skill set's a little bit different there, but the tall, really skinny, fast quarterbacks who have big arms and, and are pretty accurate, but also you're kind of surprised by just how fast they are when they break through the line of scrimmage up the middle, uh, scrambling was something that kind of stood out to me watching LSU Alabama last night. Yeah. Um, and I don't think he's going to take the same kind of hits that Jaden Daniels takes. Jaden Daniels like Im- invites some crazy contact uh, all year. Um, and what we've seen the last couple of years, and I just don't think that's going to be Nico. I think Nico is running to evade and just get to the sticks and get to where he needs to go and then uh, just carry on. I don't think he has any interest of getting blown up and uh, being that kind of runner. He's not going to be lowering his shoulder like uh, Jim Milton and Jaden Daniels. I think he's going to be running with a purpose and running with a, a, a reason to get out. And he also, is, he's huge. So I think uh, getting to the sticks will be a little bit easier for him because he's he's just a big dude. And he's also just, he is a natural runner where Joe Milton is still just not natural in that zone. He's just more of a pocket passer. And I think uh, what you'll see from Nico is kind of a blend between him and Hen- uh, Hendon and Joe, where it's Hendon, I think, was first mobile and then we evolved in the hypo offense to kind of become that pocket guy. I think you're seeing a middle ground here with Nico and just the best case possible. Uh, with and why he's a five star is like he can beat you in a multitude of ways. And with his size, his feet, his pocket awareness, everything is just. I can't wait for Nico. We have an opportunity, Ryan Shepard, here at Everything School HQ. Tennessee basketball finishing first in the SEC. Make making a deep potential March run. We'll see. Deepest team they've ever had under Barnes. Tennessee baseball, which Tony Vitello just doesn't take a weekend off. He's just always recruiting. He's just like, I'm just going to continue being the Nick Saban of uh, SEC baseball year over year. Like, I don't care. I'm going to be, I'm going to have a top 24, a top class in 2024. And then I'm just going to stack it on a top class in 2025. And I'm just going to keep stacking. Like, I'm just going to build the Death Star juggernaut uh, as things get built up on the left field side and the right field side. And all that's great. So we've got five great months looking ahead six months uh really ryan shepherd you know this like it's everything school hq like a lot of winning is coming up for tennessee football and our tennessee basketball <laughs> and baseball this all leads into a potential college world series run and then we get nico hype videos of him leading the first team offense going into next summer ryan shepherd i was just thinking about that today of like how amazing <laughs> the next year could be here in knoxville tennessee because we're looking at an all-time great run where Tennessee's going to go into next year with college football playoff expectations with the highs, a guy who can win the Heisman right out of the gate here as a sophomore uh, in Nico Yamaliava. We get that over a one-year run? You kidding me? You kidding me? What a she run. Said, she said, we're no more winning. We're tired of the <laughs> winning. We can't do it anymore. Oh, man. Chase, one of the reasons I love you is the, the hyperbole you you oftentimes speak in, and you hitting Tony Vitello as, as baseball Nick Saban before he's won a national championship, straight into Nico as Heisman potential as a sophomore is special, special stuff. But no, I mean, you, I agree with your general point. I mean, Tennessee basketball should have a really good season. Tennessee baseball is going to be really good. I think it would, you know, the expectation will be to make it to Omaha again. And in Tennessee football, certainly going to have a lot of questions to answer and a lot of guys to replace. 
But in this first year of new college football, you look around the country at you look in I guess it's not say around the country. You look in the Big Ten and you look in the SEC at the good teams and you look at their schedules. Boy, does Tennessee have an easy one compared to yeah. most of them. I mean, it is a really, really favorable schedule. And here sitting way, way, way out from the season opener, Tennessee will be definitive favorites in nine games. And then mm. it's kind of like, can you beat Oklahoma or Georgia on the road slash Alabama at home? Can you win one of those games? Because if you do that and then you don't slip up, you're going to be a college football playoff team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. See, you're backing it up. I'm just telling you, folks. No, I, 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 I agree with your sentiment. There was just a couple of the things you said were, especially the Tony Vitello, the Tony Vitello is Nick Saban of SEC baseball. Special was a special comment. He's, I'm not kidding. Or if I had to do an emotional investment ranking for Vol fans, like to just like make sure you get the most bang for your buck, um, in terms of emotional investment, your emotional investment should be number one with Tennessee baseball, and it shouldn't really be close. Like, that should be number one. You get the most amount of games. You're building and building the stadium. You're basically getting in at the ground floor of what is turning into a an increasingly bigger juggernaut year over year. This year, they're going to be the favorites along with LSU to win the SEC. It's really hard to go back to back winning uh, the College World Series and running it back with this group. So we'll see. LSU will be really good. But Tennessee is going to go into it over the next couple of years, these classes and everything else like you want to get on the ground floor. Like Tennessee can win a college world series in the next uh, year or two. And they, they got in there two of the last three and the year they didn't, they were the best team in college baseball, one of the best t- college baseball teams of all time. So that's just a really good spot to be in. And I just don't think it's going anywhere in basketball. Barnes got an extension. He should be number two where it's just, you look at the classes, Bishop Boswell coming into the fold and we'll see who the next five-star uh, Barnes brings in over the next couple of years. Cause now you have that certainty that he's going to coach these kids. So I think that will help uh, in terms of getting, uh, more guys to sign on uh, to Tennessee is just knowing that he's going to be the coach for uh, a little bit longer there. And I mean, you look at the football front, we'll see, but that's a really good spot. If you're like, Hey, this is good. This is, we're in unpressed uncharted waters over the last 15 years. Like just take it easy in terms of the football part of it, because it's been so bad for nearly two decades that just, Hey, it's fun. You have the five-star best quarterback in the class coming in next year. It's going to be fun. You want to make the playoff. I still don't. I still think it's going to be extremely difficult to get through the Georgias and the Bamas and the Michigans and Ohio State to the world to win a national title. I think it's just just the nature of the beast. There, there's just a lot of roadblocks uh, that you got to look at. But I think uh, in terms of those three, I just think baseball should be in terms of emotional investment where it ruins your weekend in May and June. Uh, it should be baseball uh, for you. Is that fair? I think the sentiment is, I don't know about the emotional attachment of it because either you shouldn't be getting upset at some weekend in April. Well, hold on. You know, one you know weekend on its own. Hold on. Hold on. You oh, know how I the know. group chat goes. You're Ryan. getting mad at weekends in February and it's <laughs> nonsense. I mean, it's, you were ready to cancel the season after Tennessee lost to Grand Canyon. Tony, Tony Mitello, the man you've dubbed as the next Nick Saban, needed to walk back home from, from Arizona with some of the coaching decisions he was making. But from the sentiment that Tennessee made, I, if you gave me who is winning a national championship next, Tennessee, football, baseball, or basketball, or who has the most likely chance to win a national championship with the three coaches that are there right now, I'm no doubt taking Tennessee baseball and Tony Mitello. Like, that's no question to me. So I agree with that sentiment of it. Um the baseball season, college baseball season, is such a roller coaster, and in the same way that you know March Madness is is like this too, where 
at the end of the day, what matters is how you're playing when the NCAA tournament rolls around. Um, so the emotional side of it, football is always more, to me, makes more sense to be emotional and committed to it because every game is so important in college football. And that'll go away a little bit with the 12-team playoff, but uh, largely that'll that'll stay the same, or at least more uh, than it will in the basketball and baseball. Yeah. Uh, final thing here, uh, Vols open up two-point favorites at Mizzou. It started at plus one for the Vols at Mizzou, but it's already shifted uh, to the Vols wow. being f- favored. Sorry, what'd you say? I said, wow. I I, I, mean, I, see, I saw when it opened out. I seen that it had shifted to Tennessee being favored. Yeah, it shifted on Circus Sports to Tennessee minus two, uh, but I think it's going to keep moving around uh, the rest of uh, the rest of this week. Um, yeah. But, I mean... I think that's also just one of those where Tennessee, I think, lucked out in the biggest way. And I think I talked to Grant about this um, a couple of days ago. I wanted to get your perspective on it. I think Tennessee lucked out getting Mizzou when they did. Kind of like when they got AM at home after AM has this big emotional physical game against Alabama. They're banged up and then they have to get up off the mat against a completely different kind of team in uh, Tennessee right out of the gate. And I think that's going to be something that helps Tennessee is that Mizzou just gives it their all, comes up just short uh, down the stretch against Georgia, get banged around. Brady Cook gets smacked by Tyke Smith and a couple other guys, and he has a rough ending to the game. Like I just think that's the best spot for Tennessee is that they get to come in after basically having a bye with how this game went and not having to play John Campbell, not having really to play Amari yeah. Thomas. Like I think that is a big, big reason as to why I feel a lot better about Mizzou uh, going into this week uh, versus uh, how I thought it was going to be maybe before this week. Tennessee's definitely caught like a lot of good schedule breaks. And we were talking about it in our chat this week where if Georgia beats Ole Miss this week, and mm. once again, like you have that Georgia game's in a perfect spot for Tennessee. Georgia's schedule, which everybody kind of mocked all offseason, and it isn't great, but Ole Miss emerges as a good team. Missouri emerges as a good team. And obviously, Georgia's taking a little bit of a step back. So those games are more competitive. And it's what we've said since the summer that Tennessee's chances of beating Georgia is better if the game's not for the East. Yeah. And if Georgia beats Ole Miss this week, it won't be. And Georgia will be coming off to maybe not emotional, but a lot more taxing big games. And heck the game before that's a rivalry game against Florida. So you get them in a good spot. And I do agree with Missouri. The one thing where I would say it's different. I don't think this is quite a, a spot where, after Georgia and them having a good team is really important. The emotional state of, oh man, Missouri, we, we just, we didn't win the SEC East, man. We, we lost it. I don't think that is as important because the expectations for Missouri and that football program as a whole, like Missouri should be, maybe I'm wrong, I'm almost not in that locker room, but they should be extremely fired up for this game. A chance for Missouri to go 10 and 2, like that's a banner program year, like a mm-hmm. defining year for the program. And there's still a ton to play for. Uh, and obviously nine and three would be good too, but winning 10 regular season games for Missouri would be a huge, huge deal. So it, to me, it's not quite like, let's say it was Florida that had lost to Georgia and it was having that type of season. And then Tennessee gets them afterwards, like a huge letdown spot. And that was the goal to win the SEC. So I think that's a little bit different. Uh, but yeah, there's no doubt that Tennessee gets really both of these next two games at very favorable spots in the schedule. Well, there you go. Ryan Shepard, what can the folks check out from you and the team over at RockyTopInsider.com this week? We'll have tons of stuff uh, looking at Tennessee, Missouri, kind of putting the finishing, really probably the day we put the finishing touches on Tennessee, UConn. We probably won't have too much else spill over into the week. So 
Tons of stuff to get you ready for Tennessee, Missouri. And then uh, for myself, big feature story coming out tomorrow for t- on Tony Awaka, uh, the Tennessee sophomore power forward slash center, uh, right for the day of Tennessee season opener. So we'll have that. We'll have complete coverage of Tennessee season opener against Tennessee Tech. And then I'll be up in Madison, Wisconsin on Friday night as the Vols go up there and take on the Badgers in their first true test uh, of the regular season. So I'll be there on Friday. And Jack uh, and Rick will both be in Columbia, Missouri on Saturday. And we'll have everything you need this week for Tennessee basketball and Tennessee football as we fully, fully uh, crossover season. Goodness gracious. You're all over the place. But you're not going to Columbia too, right? You're not doing a double dip this week, that weekend. Okay. Not not doing a double dip. I was actually hoping for, uh, even though it would be worse for Tennessee, I was hoping for a night game in Mm -hmm. Columbia because – I booked all my travel for Wisconsin before the game time was announced, so I made sure I was getting back before noon, just in case it was noon, I'd be available to watch and work. Mm-hmm. Um, but night game in Madison, early flight out of Chicago, I'm not going to be getting much sleep Friday night. I was hoping for a night game so I can get a nice little nap in before, uh, mm-hmm. but don't think that's going to work out for me. Well, hey, that's what you signed up for, Ryan Shumper. You'll yeah, get through those, it. You- those are the breaks. Those are the breaks. You got Dr. Pepper for a reason. Uh, Ryan Shepard, always a pleasure, and I will talk to you next week. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.